Two weeks ago, three weeks ago actually, we started uh, a series where we're talking about the life that God wants for us. And in John 10.10, Jesus said that he came to give us a life that is rich and satisfying. That's the way that the New Living Translation puts it. Some of the older translations talk about a life that is more abundant. We've been using the word exceptional. I believe that God wants us to live the best life that we possibly can. And, and we're not trying to do self-help. We're not trying to do, you know, your best life ever. This is all about some principles that I believe can help us as we move toward the life that Jesus came to bring us. If Jesus came to bring us that life, then it is my belief that we should do everything in our power to take advantage of that and to live the best life possible. And so we've been moving in that direction. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how Um, There are no magic switches that you can throw, but we started with thinking about our beliefs and how our beliefs are kind of the foundation that we begin to build the rest of our lives on. And if we get the right beliefs in our minds and in our hearts, then we can kind of build from there. Today we're going to talk about our thoughts, our thought life. Have you ever heard this phrase, mind over matter? Mind over matter. Any of you ever trained in martial arts? Uh, one of the ways I've heard this used is in, um, in karate or, or one of the martial arts where they break the bricks and they break the boards and stuff, you know, they, they chop them in half. I've heard somebody talk about the fact that one of the things that they were taught when they were doing that was mind over matter. You, you got to think through the brick. You got to think through the plank or whatever it is you're splitting. And I, I think it may have been a comedian because it proceeded to say, I thought through the brick. Unfortunately, the brick was thinking, no, you won't either. And the brick's thoughts beat my thoughts and I broke my hand or something to that effect, you know. I I remember hearing this phrase for the first time when I was young. So young that I I remember having a conversation with it uh, or over it with my mom. My mom was the deep thinker in our family. My dad was a great guy. He was smart. He was intelligent. But he was a hands-on person. He would come home from his job as a pipe fitter, and he would work on the farm. He could fix tractors. He could fix combines. He could do any of that stuff. But by the time he got done doing all that stuff, he would come in the house, sit in his chair, and watch the Tiger game. That was his life, right? Amen? Anybody identify with it? He had used up his words. He was ready to sit and relax. And if it wasn't the Tiger game, it was Magnum P.I. Let's be honest. Those are... Great show. Love that show. Never got to see Simon and Simon. My bedtime was 9 o'clock. Anybody remember Simon and Simon? Oh, yeah. It was a great show. I thought, man, nobody remembers that show at all. It was a great show. I like that better than Magnum. Never got to watch it. Anyway, you know, my dad would come in and he was done. But my mom, she went to college. She had a four-year degree in psychology and sociology. She loved to talk. And so when we had deep conversations, it was usually with mom. And I can remember one time... This whole concept of mind over matter came up, and she thought it was a bunch of hooey. She thought it was bunk. She just didn't agree with it. She said, you know, the whole idea that you can change the exterior or change the world just by thinking good thoughts or thinking thoughts is ridiculous. You have to act. If your thoughts never become actions, then nothing will change around you. That was her philosophy. And so the way that she interpreted the way people were sharing it, she didn't agree with it. Now, I interpreted it very differently. I know what I was believing, man. As a young kid, I was believing even, man, if I think about it, I can have it. I'm all over that. You know, and actually one of the things I frequently thought about was mom and dad are going to change my bedtime. Mom and dad are going to change my bedtime because I want to see Simon and Simon. Just once in my life, I'd love to be able to watch that show without having to sneak and watch it through the crack in my bedroom door. 
which I could almost see the TV, but I could certainly hear it. Anyway, you know, I, I thought a lot about that. I thought, man, if I could think it and it'll happen, that would be awesome. That would be so incredible. And so I started thinking as hard as I could. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to. It didn't work. I can tell you, it didn't work. Another thing I thought of was, I'm going to win the Publishers Clearing House sweepstakes. And I thought a lot about that one, man. I, I had every dime spent, man. Every dime of that, that jack. I think I've told you before, my parents would throw those things in the trash. I would pull them back out, fill them out to the nth degree. I even ordered magazines one year. Imagine my parents' surprise when they started showing up along with a bill. <clears throat> that was not a good day. Uh, mind over matter. I'm not going to get a spanking. I'm not going to get a spanking. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Um, but, you know, as a kid, you know, you think something. You know, if I can think it and it becomes reality, that's like a dream, isn't it? That would be awesome if it really worked that way. I mean, think about the things we could fix in our world. You know, as I think about, man, if I could think of anything and make it happen, I would think a lot about world peace, wouldn't you? I would think a lot about the leaders in our world deciding to stop being so foolish and fighting with each other and just get along for once, right? I would try to think hard about, about countries reconciling their differences and getting over their problems so that people have to stop dying in wars. Wouldn't that be awesome? I know, I'm thinking pretty big. But maybe we should begin a little smaller. Maybe we should just think about peace in our own nation, for crying out loud. I would think hard about people beginning to listen to each other and understanding each other instead of just shouting things at each other or, worse yet, posting things about each other. I would think of some really big issues. I would think about how to end hunger and poverty. Wouldn't it be awesome if somehow all of the food that we waste in this country could somehow magically just appear in the homes of people who are hungry all over our world? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because, friends, we waste enough food in this country to feed probably half the world, I've got to imagine. It's unbelievable the amount that we have that we could share, and yet it just seems like nobody's smart enough to think of that. I would love to think about some of these big problems in life and just see them disappear. But I probably wouldn't begin there. I would begin in my own life, right? I would think some things about myself that I want to see happen. Like, I would think myself to be more handy around the house so that by some chance my bathroom will be finished before my kids graduate college, right? I would probably think myself a little bit better in that area. I'm getting there. I actually capped off the water pipes yesterday, tore out the wall. Whoever invite, invented shark bite adapters is to be applauded. Amen? Amen? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, Sawzall, second greatest invention. You could do some serious damage with a Sawzall. <laughs> I tore out a whole wall, man, and I didn't even hurt myself. I was like, hurr, hurr. But if the end of the bit hits something hard, it's not good. Yeah, Brad's nodding back there. He's like, oh, yeah, don't do that. Anyway, just wonderful inventions. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But, man, I would just wish myself better. Be like, man... I'm thinking hard about being able to do ceramic tile. Poof, there it is. That's what I would do. I would think more about maybe being a better husband. You know, I would think, man, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better husband? And maybe, just maybe it would happen. Or a better father. Or a better pastor. Or a better friend. I, I would think myself into better relationships. I, I would think about all of these things. I would probably think a little bit about having a brain that could actually remember people's names once in a while. Right? Even people I've known for years, I go to say their name and it just pops out of my head. 
I think I'm getting senile. It's just one of those things, man. I would, I would think myself to a better memory, and I would certainly think away all of the stress in my life, right? Wouldn't you? Lord, I just want it gone, so I'm going to think about it, and it's going to go away. Crazy, right? It's too good to be true. Or is it? As I was thinking about all of these things and, and how crazy it is that we, we think thought might impact our real lives, I realized that I had a living, breathing example in, in the form of a friend of mine, of somebody who did this very thing. He, he's a friend. I won't give you too many details about his life because I really don't want you to know who he is. I want him to maintain his privacy. But just suffice it to say, he's a person who, a lot like many of you and a lot like me, um, loves to succeed at things. And so when he started his career, he took the bull by the horns, and man, he took every opportunity. And he did everything that, that was required of him. And people started to notice how good he was at his job. And, and so opportunities came up for him to do different and better and more things. And so he grabbed a man. He took it. He ran with it. And, and he did good at those. And more people were patting him on the back. And, and more people were hoorahing him. You know, and you're just doing great. You're awesome. Hey, how about this opportunity? And he would take it without ever giving thought to the time invested or, or the impact that it would make on his life or, or his stress level. And he just kept doing more more and more and trying to do it better and better and just running 100 miles an hour, 100 miles a minute, just going full tilt all the way. And everybody would have looked at him and everybody said, man, what a success story. What an awesome guy. I can't believe what he's accomplished. And then one day he kind of hit the wall, or at least he saw the wall coming. And he realized that the way he was living his life was not bringing fulfillment, joy, or happiness into his life. In fact, he realized that the stress that he was under was probably going to kill him, and he started to have anxiety. He looked at his family life and realized that his children and his wife were suffering the consequences of the lifestyle that he had chosen at work. And one day, he walked into his office, packed up his desk, and left the building. Went to the doctor so that he could sit down in front of a medical professional and get a signed paper stating that he needed to take a break so that he could get the proper benefits that he needed to get time to recover. Now, man, I don't know about you, but sitting in a doctor's office so I can get a signed paper saying I'm not enough has got to be the most gut-wrenching thing I can think of. But he did it. From that point forward, he changed some things. And he told me the story, he said, you know, and as he's sitting in front of me, he's, again, a success story, back at the job. Wonderful family, not perfect. He has teenagers. <laughs> Life with teenagers is never perfect, but we try, right? But his life is back in order. He's back on the job. His faith is strong. He's there for his family. He loves his wife. His kids are growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it all started the moment that he stopped thinking one way. And he started thinking another. He renewed his mind. He changed his mind. And everything changed for him. Now, friends, I, I believe that there is something to this. 
And in the part of this process that he went through, I asked him, you know, when I was thinking about this sermon, I went and met with him. I asked him, how did you do it? I need to know this. i got to preach this, man. There's all kinds of people that need to know how to change their mind, change their thinking, and, and somehow change the direction of their life by the way that they think. And, and so he started giving me all the reasons. He became obsessed with the subject. And he's got all these books and all these resources. Man, I, my brain was swimming. I'm like, i got to present all of this to you guys. Unfortunately, we don't have two weeks, so it's never going to work. But suffice it to say, he ran into a couple of resources that were especially helpful for him. And one, ironically, was a Christian lady who's a doctor, who's a research scientist and also an expert in learning styles and that kind of thing. Her name is Dr. Christine, or I'm sorry, Caroline Leaf, and she wrote several books. Listen to this quote. I want to share this quote with you from one of her books. It's just a summary statement, so listen carefully. She says, As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. New thought networks begin to grow. We increase our intelligence. I did not know you could increase your intelligence. Man, I would have started working on this a long time ago. Amen? You know? I don't like being like this. I would have loved to have been able to bump it up a few points. Anyway, we increase our intelligence. I lost my place now. We increase our intelligence and bring healing to our brains, our minds, and, listen to this, our physical bodies. It all starts in the realm of the mind with our ability to think and to choose the most powerful thing in the universe after God and indeed fashioned after God. She is one of many researchers who's beginning to discover that the way that we think, the thoughts that we have, can actually change the physical makeup of our brains. That can actually change the chemical reactions that take place. And and I don't even begin to understand it. I'm not going to try to explain it. But it even gets into the point of, of advanced physics. The things that happen in our brains and the synapses basically are amazing. And when we think of things that are good and positive, one thing happens. And when we think of things that are angry and negative, another thing happens. Our minds and our brains change. As a result of the way we think. I even read one study that claims that most back pain, of all things, actually begins in the brain. I don't know if I buy that yet, but it's an interesting concept, right? Change your mind, change your life. Maybe there is something to it. Now, before you get all accusy with me and say, now, pastor, are you just going to talk about psychology today? Happy thoughts, happy life. Is that what you're doing? Let me tell you where the inspiration came for Dr. Leaf to pursue her research. Because when she came out of college and when she started her career, she came into an age where basically people believed that once the brain was damaged, you couldn't correct it, that your brain never changed. You were pretty much had what you had at birth and that's what you had at the end. Intelligence, all that stuff was set from the moment you started. This woman didn't believe it because she saw people change in her clinic. And so she started doing research, and it was all because of one scripture. Let me share that scripture with you. It comes from the book of Romans, which is, of course, Paul's letter to the church at Rome way back in the day. Romans 12.2. Some of you have heard this before. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, the way I've always read that passage, 
I always read it as change the way you behave, right? Because Paul starts out by saying, don't copy the behavior and customs. I'm like, oh, it's all about morality. Paul doesn't want us to be naughty like other people are naughty. It's all about the morality. And so when I came to this this thing about thinking, I never even made the connection. What Paul is saying here is that God, eternal God, the one who created us and the one who knows what's best for us, has the ability to transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. It starts in the mind. I thought that was fascinating. Since the research that scientists are finally able to do because of our technology are now starting to prove exactly what the Bible says. Isn't that exciting? It's more exciting than most of you look right now. Jeez, I got all excited about that. All right, going on. He says, um, now I'm on the wrong scripture for crying out loud. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. After your mind has been changed, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know what? You find God's will for your life and understand that that will is always good and perfect and pleasing, that sounds like an exceptional life to me, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like that to you? That is the exceptional life. That's the sum total of the exceptional life. In other words, he's saying that that if you think good thoughts, this is what will happen. You've got to let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Now again, That scripture led her to do the research that she did. And again, I wish I could go into detail and give you her 21-day mind uh, detox method, but you'd never remember it all anyway. I certainly didn't. Now, if you want the name of her books, come and see me afterwards. I'll let you know. I'm not saying she's perfect, but she is a Christian, and she's doing great research. So in my opinion, she's worth a hearing. Before we get through with this, though, I know I can't share everything with you, but I do want to reinforce this with one other scripture from the book of Philippians because I believe that Paul reinforces once again what we're seeing happen in our lives or in the research today. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, your thoughts, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Friends, once again, Paul reinforces that the kind of thoughts you think are important. In other words, he's kind of saying if you think good thoughts, you will have a good life. If we think about good things, good things will happen. Again, it's not a magic wand, but it is a principle that we can learn to live with. Positive thoughts about positive things actually help you to heal your brain and build all of the structures that you need to become focused and to build your life. The way Caroline Leaf explains it, this is her belief. She believes that when we were first created by God, we were created and our bodies were created for good. That we were created to do the right thing. That we were created to love each other and care about each other and have hope and have peace. And what we're seeing today is that when we don't live out those things, our bodies take on all this toxicity and we tend to get sick. But she said, when, when we do the right things, our body responds to that by actually beginning to work on itself and heal itself. And it becomes more healing. Now, I don't know if she's got the data to back that up, but man, it's a theory worth pursuing, don't you think? 
Because I believe that Jesus came to restore us back to what God originally intended. And if he can do that spiritually, why not physically too? It's worth looking at, right? Think good thoughts, positive thoughts, do the right things, and things will happen that are good. But you know what? The same is is true of negative thoughts. When you think negative thoughts, it destroys some of the structures in your brain that that, that we need to grow and go beyond this. Man, excuse me. My voice is struggling today. And I think Jesus understood this. That's why Jesus in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount said, when you, for instance, are angry with someone, it's almost the same as if you murdered them because the effect is the same. When you look at a woman lustfully, he said, you've already committed adultery with her. Why? Because the outcome in your mind is the same. You've essentially already done it and you're already bearing the scars of that. I think Jesus understood this concept. Friends, if you want to be exceptional, if you want to live a life, as Jesus said, that is rich and satisfying, you will find it very hard to do that if your thoughts are all about how you've been wronged and mistreated all the time. If you're thinking negatively all the time. I I don't know about you, but every once in a great while, people are not necessarily happy with some of the things I do. Does anybody else find that people are sometimes unhappy with the things that you do and the decisions you make? Good, I'm not the only one. I mean, for me, it doesn't happen very often. Once, twice a day is all. But I've learned in pastoring, over the years of pastoring, I've been doing this 20, well, I don't even know, 24 years now, I think, that, that occasionally I'll have someone come to me and they'll confront me with something. And this is, this is a confession on my part, so get ready. Get ready to, you know, absolve me of my sins or whatever you got to do. Um, occasionally people come to me and say, Pastor, we don't like the way this is happening. We like the way you're doing this. And sometimes it's, you know, all about the church and sometimes it's brought with love and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, it's kind of hardcore. And, and most of the time I realize that my job as a pastor because I'm a Christian and a loving person is that I respond with, oh, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I will do my best to pray about it. And if, if, you know, if there's a way I can make that better, I will do it. And, and I usually am very good at trying my best to respond with love and acceptance or at least to have a conversation about that. I pride myself on being able to do that. And it's not fake. I, I genuinely want people to come and tell me when I'm doing something that's questionable because that's the only way I can grow. But sometimes... It's a little irritating. And so then they, they share their thoughts with me and I send them on their way with my graces and then they leave. You know what I do after they leave? I have that conversation over again so that I can give them what for. Any of you do that? Anybody replay those conversations just so you can, you know, get it? I can't, I can't believe they said that. Do they not know what I did? Do they not understand how hard I did? Do they not understand how many hours I've been here? Do they not know this? Do they not know that? Boy, if they only knew, oh, I'd just give them a piece of my mind. And I go and I have the conversation in my brain, and boy, it turns out way better then. <laughs> feel, I feel much better after that, you know, for a minute. But see, the problem with that is, then I end up mad at them for things they never even said things they never even did. Because when we have that conversation in our mind, I now believe after what I've read this week that it essentially becomes real to us. Because the things that we think matter. They affect who we are. And so what I realized this week, man, I'm like, man, if I sit around, and, and I've never faulted myself on this, I'm like, no, that's, it's just a healthy exercise in my mind where I'm playing the scenario out so I can get my frustrations out. You know what? It's not. It's not at all healthy. 
it's wrong and it's negative and it, it causes me to be more frustrated and probably in the past, even though I haven't perceived it, has caused me to treat people differently because of the conversation I had with them that they were never a part of. Our thoughts are important. And if you sit around all the time being negative about all the people that have wronged you or mistreated you or that you perceive have, you will never live an exceptional life. If your thoughts are all about um, what you don't have that everyone else does have, you will never live an exceptional life. If you sit around wondering why do they get that and I don't, the Bible calls that envy. It's something we think in our minds and we don't think it's really an issue, but it is. I believe that's why it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Coveting, envy, all that stuff. If your thoughts are all about how you don't measure up, you will never live an exceptional life. That is not a part of your life that God wants you to sit and think about. We, I got news for you. None of us measure up. Amen? There will always be something that you're not good enough to do. There will always be someone you'll let down. You can never always measure up. If your thoughts are all about the failures of your past, you will never be able to live the exceptional life because you'll be living out the failures of the past and your brain will make them new every time you relive them. If your thoughts about, are all about how unfair life is, you will never live an exceptional life. Because listen, you were never promised that life would be fair. Amen? Life will never be fair, thank goodness. <laughs> Because if we got what we deserve as human beings who are fallen creatures, that's not grace. But God has lovingly extended grace to us. And so rather than living on the unfairness of life, let's dwell on the grace of God. Instead of dealing with the, the wrongs that have been committed against us, let's think and, and encourage ourselves with all the things that people have done to encourage us. Let's dwell on the things that are positive and not on the things that are negative. We need to find a positive in every situation. Listen, friends, I'm here to tell you, I, I've seen marriages go down because one party or the other, or maybe both of them, failed to see the good in the other person. You see, when we're dating, we're really good at seeing the positive, aren't we? Wow, she's good looking, and wow, she's so nice, and wow, he's so funny, and wow, he's a nice guy, and all that. And then we get married, and it seems like all of that good begins to disappear, and we start seeing each other's faults a lot more clearly. Now, I'm here to tell you that if my wife decided to dwell on my faults and to think about those all the time, there ain't no way she'd still be with me after 30 years. Or if she was, she'd be up for sainthood. Because I got some faults, my friends. Just ask her, she'll tell you. But I believe that the reason she still loves me is because she's chosen not to see just my faults. She does remind me of a few of them every once in a while. She chooses to see who I could be and who I can be in Christ because she sees the positive. My house is another example. It's a terrible house. Just ask me, I'll tell you. When I bought the thing, I thought I'd won the lottery. Everything was wonderful, all was good, it was great. And then we noticed some leakage around the chimney and the ceiling. And then our, our, our one drain line going out the bottom of the house started backing up into the bathtub. You ever seen kitchen water back up into a bathtub? That's nasty. 
And then all these other things, tiles are falling off the walls in our shower and this and that and the other thing. All of a sudden, the house is a mess. And you know what? There have been times I sat there thinking about how nasty our house was, and I said, honey, we're never owning a home again. If we ever get this thing fixed, we're renting so somebody else has the headache forever. We'll rent in heaven if we have to. We're never owning a home again. (laughs) Terrible house. And then you drive through town where you hear the stories of other people living in our community who don't have heat, who don't have running water, who have windows broken out in the winter that they can't afford to replace, who have pantries that are bare of food. And you realize, I have so much. I just don't see it. See, part of the reason that we as believers live in a mindset of scarcity is because we choose to see what we don't have instead of seeing what we do have. And what we do have is the God of the universe on our side who has promised to provide for all of our needs through his riches and glory. And you know what? If you start seeing that, I live a pretty charmed life. Amen? Friends, See the good. Don't dwell on the bad. See the good. And if you begin to see the good, it will help your brain to begin to move in the right direction. Now again, somebody's going to come up here and say, oh, Caroline Leaf's a lunatic. We, you know, she's not scientific. She's this, she's that. Well, maybe. But the Bible seems to say that if we meditate and think about things that are good, we're going to move in the right direction. And you know what? That's enough for me. I was reminded, even as we were worshiping, um, of a scripture that I used to love. Actually, it was a song I used to love. Somebody took Psalm 13 and and put it to lyrics. I think it was either Paul Belosh or Brian Dirksen. I don't remember which one, but um, it's a lament. It's a lament where the, the psalmist says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Tell me which direction his thought life is going right now. Kind of down the tubes, right? Have you been there? Boy, I sure have. How long must I, and this is the line that popped into my brain this morning, and it's only in the NIV. Don't try to look it up in any other version. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, have sorrow in my heart. Friends, I believe that's what it is. The more I think about it, think about it. I believe we are wrestling in this day and age with our thought life. And the world around us is trying to capture it. The world around us wants to to take everything that we think and make it negative. Watch the news. Okay? Look at social media. Everything around us is trying to change our thought life and show us everything that's wrong with the world so that we will react and respond and buy their stuff. I'm here to tell you, wrestle with your thoughts. Don't let them go in the wrong direction. Work hard at at thinking the thoughts that, that Paul says will be helpful. Meditate on the things that are positive, that are hopeful, that are full of peace, that are full of love, that are full of joy. And as you think about those things, I believe it will begin to produce the fruits of spirit in your life. And you will find 
the will of God, that good, perfect, and pleasing will that will lead you to a life that is better than you could have had, a life that we will simply call exceptional. Let me pray for you. God in heaven, I thank you for, again, the patience of these people who are here long past the hour and yet so patiently listening. Lord, I believe that our lives have been hijacked to some degree by the enemy because we've been taught that if we just think it, it's not really that big a deal, that our thoughts are private, they're only us, and they really don't matter that much. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to see from these letters that that Paul wrote, from Romans and then Philippians, that what we think about matters, what we dwell on in our minds matter. Even King David in, in the Psalms wrestled with his thoughts and fought against those thoughts and had to deal with, Lord, so much as he was fleeing from Saul in the wilderness, hiding in caves and and watching his men uh, being defeated as he went. I would imagine he had a lot to be negative about, and yet, Lord, the end of that psalm says that, that that he will put his faith and his trust in you no matter what that he would trust in your unfailing love. And Lord, if there are people here this morning that are wrestling with a thought life that is, not, that is not pleasing to you, that only sees the negative and never sees the positive, that, that only sees the despair and not the joy, I pray that you would help them, if nothing else, to be able to put their faith and their trust in your unfailing love, believing that you can help them to wade out of the murk of a clouded mind. Father, we want to be the best that we can possibly be for the sake of your kingdom. Help us to get there as we follow you and follow your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.